welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good evening and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. A few weeks ago, we had the directors of the Right to Life offices of uh, Greater Akron Right to Life, uh, Columbus Right to Life, Cincinnati Right to Life, and uh, we talked about uh, the new realism of after Roe and what it would mean, of course, with the pro-life movement moving forward. Of course, in Ohio, we have the heartbeat law in effect and uh, that is helping to save children's lives. And so the, the work continues of helping women with unexpected pregnancies, uh, with the crisis pregnancy centers, as we had that panel discussion last week. But I want to circle back with one of our guests who was on two weeks ago, and that is Allie Frazier. She is the director of Northeast Ohio Right to Life, because her offices were actually attacked and vandalized uh, by those who... Uh, are against the pro-life movement, and obviously uh, it's very disturbing to see the graffiti, the written threats. Uh, this has all the earmarks of uh, Jane's Revenge, that anarchist group that uh, had promised that they would uh, start this kind of anarchy and damage uh, to right-to-life offices across the country. Well, here in Akron, it actually happened. Uh, there was actually two incidents, and I'm going to have Allie kind of walk us through that. I'm looking at some of the photos right now. Now, uh, and if you follow us on Facebook, you'll know that it's uh, we posted it up about a week ago, and uh, this is disturbing. Uh, that this is uh, the kind of thing that we were hoping would not happen, uh, yet it has happened in at least at the Akron office. Uh, let me read to you the statement we put out: vandalism and written threats at the Northeast Ohio Right to Life office in West Akron. Uh, I spoke uh, with Northeast Ohio Right to Life Executive Director Allie Frazier on the phone and expressed our support to her and to the Northeast Ohio Right to Life organization. An anarchist group, Jane's Revenge, issued a nationwide threat against pro-life organizations and crisis pregnancy centers. We will continue to monitor this situation and urge the police to fully investigate the crimes that have been committed against Ohio Right to Life centers uh, and that's an uh, issued statement that we put out from the Ohio Christian Alliance. I was so happy to see others around the state rally around uh, the Northeast Ohio Right to Life office uh, and how uh, Allie and her team. Uh, let's uh, welcome Allie at this time. Allie, thank you for coming on the program to talk about this important issue. Chris, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, what I like is the statement that you made to LifeSite News, and it, and I'm reading their title, Pro-Abort Group Vandalizes Right to Life Office in Ohio Twice in One Week, and we'll explain that to the listeners here. I'll have you walk us through that, but I love your statement. I've said it once, I'll say it again. We will not be intimidated out of saving lives and I agree with you. You know, it's like we're not going to be intimidated by these kinds of threats. Allie, thank you for your courage for the pro-life work and the fight for the unborn. And uh, all we can say is that we're uh, rallying with you. Uh, your thoughts. Kind of walk us through what happened here last couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And I cannot, I cannot express how much it's meant to me how the pro-life community has just rallied around our organization over the last few weeks as we've had to deal with two different um, incidents of vandalism, one of which obviously turned violent. Um, it's It's been incredible. We've had, obviously, Ohio Christian Alliance has been so incredibly supportive. Plus, we've had pro-lifers from around the country uh, rally around us. I literally opened up a card from a sweet, wonderful lady from Colorado today um, expressing her support for us. So it's, Oh, wonderful. It has been so, yeah, it has been such a balm during this time. But, yeah, so we've been targeted for... Two different. Uh, we've been targeted on two different incidents um, in about the last month. Um, the first incident actually occurred on June 24th, uh, the day that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Um, we had some pro-abortion activists kind of surround our office. Thankfully, none of us were in at the time. Um, they placed pro-abortion signs uh, around our office. They hung a coat hanger on the door and then rang our doorbell and gave us the middle finger into the security camera that we have. So. That was like the first incident. Um, it was obviously unsettling and concerning. Um, sad that members of our community felt the need to express their opinions in that way. 
Um, but that situation did not turn violent. Um, however, I guessed that this was the first of this was the first attack against us after Roe versus Wade, but would not be the last. And unfortunately, my prophecy ended up being true. Um, and we were targeted again um, a few weeks ago. Um, and that was go- that was actually in the middle of the night that we were targeted. Um, it was on a Friday at about 12, 10 a.m. There was a person um, who came up, um, a man, we believe. Um, he had his face, obviously, masked and everything specifically so he could not be identified. He spray-painted on our front sidewalk, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you, and then signed it, Jane, um, and then also wrote another derogatory comment as well um, on our building. Um, and then after he had finished spray painting, um, you know, those words, he came then as well and threw two rocks, um, at least. We are, we're not even sure how many. We think it was at least two rocks through our front window, um, and it did shatter both of them. So that's, that's kind of the, the two incidents that um, occurred, but thank God all of us are safe. We are talking with Allie Frazier. She is the director of Northeast Ohio Right to Life. Uh, we're talking about the vandalism and threats that were levied against the office uh, there in Akron. Uh, just last was let's see what was the date of this uh, last incident, Allie? Um, yeah. So the last incident occurred on July eighth. July eighth. So that was just about uh, ten days ago. So the Akron police came, they filed a report. Uh, obviously, the uh, city of Akron itself uh, is having some problems, and there's been uh, protests that have turned violent, uh, thankfully not as bad as what we saw in the year 2020, and a lot of us have been praying for the city of Akron. I was happy to see that the mayor and pastors gathered together along with the police chief, and they prayed on one night. Uh, we called for prayer for the city for peace and calm, and it looks as if, uh, through the arrests that were made by the police department of those who decided to take their protest and turn it violent into uh, criminal acts and have been arrested, they're, they're from out of state. So uh, these uh, Antifa, BLM, that have been calling for people to come from other places, and these were people that weren't even familiar with the situation uh, surrounding the uh, police stopped by, uh, by the police and then the investigation and the mayor and the police com- commissioner is saying there'll be a full investigation and there is indeed. And so, uh, you know, the people in the community are dealing with it, but it's outsiders that seem to be coming in, creating havoc. Uh, this is what we see. Uh, thankfully, the Akron Police Department and the, and the county prosecutor, they're actually uh, prosecuting these people. Uh, and and they happen to be Democrats. So I think some of them are a little shocked. It's like uh, nobody's coming around to bail them out. <laughs> uh, they're they're going to have to face charges on these things. And so uh, that's a good thing. I mean, look, uh, we support your right to freedom of uh, speech. And that's what the mayor said, peaceably to assemble. But when it turns violent, uh, you know, of course, this is uh, we're referring to what happened downtown, but at the same time period, this is when your office has been attacked. Uh, and so that this has created concern because now we're monitoring what's happening at other crisis pregnancy centers, right to life centers around Ohio. Have you talking to your counterparts? Has there been any other incidents in other cities in Ohio? Yeah, so there it looks like there have been other incidents, I believe. Um, not all of the organizations decided to necessarily um, make it known. Some of them just, I think, um, if I was to guess, just decided to kind of rebuild in quiet. Um, I know there was an incident of a pregnancy center in Ohio that was vandalized um, that I believe may have happened around the same time that our second vandalism incident occurred um, on the 8th. So I know that has happened, but to be honest, Chris, it's, it's even funny. Before the incident on July 8th, you know, where we had the spray paint and the broken windows and everything, I was literally talking to one of our staff members, and I was like, you know what? I was like, I, I, you never want to ask for it, right? You never want to ask for trouble. But I said, you know what? Better us than a pregnancy center. Because the bottom line is, is pregnancy centers have been overwhelmingly targeted by Jane's Revenge, this anarchist organization that has declared, quote, open season, unquote, um, on pro-life organizations. Um, but we were back up and running within a few hours doing our work. But a lot of the pregnancy centers that have been targeted by Jane's Revenge, you know, they've been able to bounce back, but it has, you know, cost them a few days in which they weren't 
able to minister to women directly to give them the diapers and formula they need to give these free STD tests and free ultrasounds. Um, and I think that it's really telling that the pro-abortion side is kind of pivoted to directly targeting pro-life organizations because even when we are, you know, meeting the needs of the community like they swear we don't do, um, they still don't like our presence and our peaceful witness is still feels like a threat to them. And I think that that, that really speaks to the spirit of the pro-abortion movement in this moment, which is which is much more focused on hate, which is most much more focused on violence um, and not focused on on peace and reconciliation, which is where the pro-life movement has been all along. We're talking with Allie Frazier. She is the director of Northeast Ohio Right to Life, and I'm reading from your website, Protect Innocent Human Life from Conception to Natural Death, No Exceptions. And also I'm reading your mission, Protecting Innocent Human Life from Conception to Natural Death, No Exceptions, uh, main issue, abortion, embryonic stem cell research and cloning, euthanasia, and assisted suicide. Our goal, building of culture of life. And so, you know, the work that you do in reaching out to that every life is valued, every life is a gift from God, uh, yet the enemies of our faith and the enemies of life have sought to create uh, havoc, and um, uh, and at this point, uh, they've committed crimes. Now, the Akron Police Department doesn't have the police report up yet, and again, their paperwork is probably behind because a lot of vandalism has taken place in the city because of the protests that turned uh, violent. Uh, now, I think they're beginning to catch up now. I think it's going to be interesting. But one of the things I think is interesting is that the first approach of these folks on June 24th, it was daylight, they weren't masked. Uh, obviously, those folks can be identified. Now, there was no uh, damage. They put up signs and things like that. Uh, but those folks could be, uh, shall we say, um, they can be questioned of what happened on the 9th, uh, you know, because they, obviously the intent was there in saying, do you know anything about that? Do you know who this individual may be? Because there is a videotape of it. Do you hope the police will investigate in that way, Allie? Well, I think, honestly, I think it's rough, Chris, because, like, there's there's always this fine line whenever you're doing activism between, you know, being really bold and clear about your stance but also respecting other people's free speech rights. And I think with the incident that happened on the 24th, obviously it was deeply hurtful it's always sad to see your community, you know, essentially make it clear that, 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 you know, some of them don't want you there. That's always hurtful, but that was not a line that was necessarily crossed. Right. Um, it was obviously distasteful um, and something that I, I would never do myself. Um, but when we had the incident that happened on the 8th and you have these broken windows, that is a line that is being crossed. Um, and so what I don't want to do is I don't want to paint with a broad brush because I do not believe that every person who maybe hasn't come to the pro-life side yet um, is a bad person. Um, but I think that I think that this is the overall trend that we're seeing the pro-abortion side go to, which is escalating situations of violence. So I think that law enforcement are doing a good job. I think they probably have a pretty big backlog based on, unfortunately, the the kind of the intense situation that we've been having in the city of the of Akron, even beyond um, our work. Um, I believe the p- police probably are, are probably working behind the scenes pretty hard to, to get everything investigated. But my message to pro-abortion, the pro-abortion side is we, we are not angry with you and we are not your enemies. I know it's really easy to, you know, see the work that pro-lifers are doing um, and as a pro-abortion person to feel threatened by it or to feel angry, you know, that we exist. But the bottom line is pro-lifers believe in the dignity of every human life. And that extends not just to these pre-born babies and these women that we're trying to protect, but also to pro-abortion protesters, a lot of whom have probably been hurt by abortion and have abortion experiences in their past. So as a pro-life organization, we are always trying to, to temper our complete, um, our complete dedication to this cause with just radical love to our neighbors. And, and that is always where we want to be. I'm looking at a Fox News uh, piece uh, from July 13th when they uh, covered the story as well. They're also reporting, of course, dozens of centers across the country have been targeted uh, by this group, Jane's Revenge. And then we hear the rhetoric by um, 
uh, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren, calling for crisis pregnancy centers that she says is spreading false information need to be shut down in the state of Massachusetts, and then she says, and throughout the country. That kind of rhetoric uh, actually uh, is is very disconcerting uh, without question. Your thoughts about Elizabeth Warren and what she has stated? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, this is something that's been very weighing very heavily on my heart. Obviously, Rights Life of Northeast Ohio is an advocacy organization, so the way that we contribute to pregnancy health is primarily through supporting our pregnancy centers um, through our advocacy work. Um, but it has just absolutely astounded me that in the wake of Roe versus Wade being overturned and us being in this situation where there are going to be so many women who need help, who find themselves pregnant unexpectedly, and the pro-abortion side's number one move is to try to shut down the very nonprofit organizations that are meeting the needs of these women in real time. It just blows my mind, Chris. I can hardly believe it. Pregnancy centers were one of the few places during the formula shortage that still had formula on the shelves. They are providing free diapers, pregnancy tests, in some cases, SPD tests to members of the community. They are the first line of defense against infant mortality and against just any mom who is in crisis. And I think it is so incredibly telling that the pro-abortion side feels so threatened by pregnancy centers because pregnancy centers have the capacity to eradicate the need for abortion in the first place. And, you know, pro-life or pro-abortion individuals like Elizabeth Warren, she is getting elected over and over again by the abortion industry. And the abortion industry knows that if pregnancy centers are able to work freely and step up for women in their community, that abortion won't even be necessary anymore. And they know that that is going to cut into their bottom line and their business of profiting off of women's pain. So the bottom line, Chris, this is all about money. If the abortion industry can't get their blood money from abortion, they will go out of business and pregnancy centers are a real threat because they are meeting these needs. That's right. And, you know, the Christian Post actually uh, reported on this about her statements, and then, uh, which are erroneous, what she's claiming, uh, because uh, pregnancy centers who service women provide ultrasounds, uh, provide help for the women, for uh, free counseling and care. Uh, when you go into a Planned Parenthood office, you're going to get one uh, opinion, and that is to abort. Uh, you're not going to get all the information. This has been the rub over the years is that Planned Parenthood, uh, with that euphemism of its name, uh, is, uh, is really just an abortion center. It's just an abortuary. That's all it is. And all they do is make uh, lots of money on abortion. They get federal funds for abortion over the years. Now, during the Trump administration, their money was cut off. Uh, they were livid over that. And so now we've taken this discussion that was uh, behind the scenes and where these people actually, in my opinion, strong arm uh, these women into into abortion because they're making money off of it. Rather than providing options of an ultrasound and, and what uh, uh, there might be an adoption option for you uh, if you feel that this is, you know, uh, that you, you cannot uh, keep the child, but adoption is an option. But uh, you don't have to murder your child through abortion. You don't have to end this thing. And would it be a time in which so many women face psychological difficulties for the rest of their lives, regretting that decision? You know, when we've gone to the March for Life and we've gone to Capitol Hill and uh, both men and women holding up signs, uh, I regret the abortion. Uh, men are involved in that, too, uh, and that they feel that guilt and remorse as well of the child that w- could have been but was not. And, you know, this is the conviction. Uh, So thank God for the Supreme Court overturning Roe. Thank God for the states that are moving forward to advance the cause of life, banning abortion. We're going to do more here in Ohio. We have the heartbeat law in effect, and the legislature is going to reconvene in November. They're going to do more. Uh, But there's going to be states like New York and California and Oregon and Washington, uh, which uh, abortion continues in Illinois. And so women will be uh, going to those states. So, you know, this abortion continue, this uh, discussion is going to continue. When it was behind closed doors, it's now out in the open again, uh, the likes of which we've not seen in decades. Allie, your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, absolutely. No, Chris, you are 100% right. We are kind of stepping into this new era of the pro-life movement where we are going to have to really dig deep, I think, and really and really confront um, the kind of pressure that we are going to be up against. And the bottom line is, Chris, women are victimized by abortion. Yes. Like in the sense of the word, word I have a friend who is, who is post-aborted. She's a sweet, wonderful person who was horribly hurt by abortion. And every single time the abortion industry keeps on pushing this rhetoric of fear and lies that women need abortion to succeed, what they are saying is that women are not strong enough to succeed in society without having the ability to kill their children. And I know that, you know, we hear, especially on the left, a lot of conversations about internalized misogyny and and all of these different things. If we want to talk about internalized misogyny, we need to talk about how the abortion industry has convinced women that they can't succeed without literally killing their children. And that is something that we are going to have to break down on a cultural level. Society is going to have to come alongside women and say, no, we are willing to become a more family-inclusive society. We are willing to become a more pro-woman, pro-family society to support these women. And there are states that are going to continue to have abortion legal probably for a long time, similar to how it was before Roe versus Wade. And obviously here in Ohio, we're pretty centrally located. It's probably going to be, be several years at least before, you know, we a woman would have to go a few states over to get an abortion. Right now, a woman, if she needs an abortion, can, can get one to a certain extent, you know, up to six weeks here in Ohio, or she can, you know, drive an hour or two to another state and, and get one as well. So I think that this is going to be both a, both a fight that is going to be both educational and supportive in nature. I think if we, start, if we continue to, to meet the needs of these women and, and really make them aware of the help that's available, I think that that is going to change everything because the bottom line is the abortion industry is not going to want to give up their millions of dollars. They just aren't. They've been making a killing, literally speaking, from selling abortions to women who are in crisis and they are not going to give up easily. The pro-life movement is going to have to be, we are going to have to be even smarter. We're going to have to be tougher. We are going to have to be more loving. Um, we are going to have to just go for it completely. And, and when we have situations like, you know, being targeted by pro-abortion activists and intimidation, to me, that only drives home the fact that what we're fighting for is so important that they feel threatened by it. And I mean, it, it, bears to be said again, like, we won't be intimidated out of saving lives. This is who we are. Hmm. We will protect women and babies. We will do what it takes to protect life. That's right. We're talking with Allie Frazier. She is the executive director of Northeast Ohio Right to Life. Allie, we want to thank you for your determination and commitment to the cause of the unborn and to uh, the pro-life cause. And thank you for serving in our area And uh, we're going to just continue to pray for you and the whole team as you continue your work in the pregnancy centers. And as you say, uh, now begins the real work, rolling up our sleeves and working with these women uh, and keeping their children. And and actually, uh, what blessing we are going to see as many millions of lives will now be saved because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Thank you for being my guest today, Allie. Thanks, Chris. Greatly appreciate it. Again, you can find them at their website. That's RTL. Uh, let's see. Why don't you give us that uh, website? Absolutely. So, Chris, if people want to connect with us, they can go to our website, which is RTLofneo.com, and they can also follow us all across social media. Thank you so much. God bless you. And uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the other side. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation. This day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. 
www.armyinc.org. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helped shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. And we're going to continue with our on-air candidate forum. As many of you may not be aware that we have a second primary coming up on August 2nd. That's just a few weeks away. Early voting has already begun, but most of you don't know about that. <laughs> and uh, because the numbers on early voting are very low across the state. Uh, because this is our second primary. We're not really used to this. We had to divide the primary because uh, the May 3rd primary was basically the congressional districts, the statewides, and Congress. The second primary is the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate, and uh, that's uh, what we're going to be, what's going to be on our ballot, basically. So with us on the program is a candidate for the Ohio Senate in the 13th District. This is a newly devised district, uh, the new maps, and it is District 13. It is all of Lorain County. It is a portion of Erie County, and it's a portion of Huron County. With me is Kirsten Hill. She is a current state school board member, and uh, now she's running for Ohio Senate. She is running from a safe seat. Uh, but uh, she has uh, thrown her hat in the ring to run for Ohio Senate District 13. Kirsten, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you. Well, first of all, let me thank you for the work that you've done as a conservative, fighting for conservative causes on the state school board. Uh, How many years have you been now serving on the state school board? I was elected in November 2018, so I've been on since January 2019, about three and a half years. Well, it's been an incredible experience, that's for sure. Well, that's great. And, you know, you've done some great work down there. We appreciate that. I know at times you feel as if you're in the minority, but it's important to have a conservative voice on the state school board, and now more than ever, actually. Uh, but you're actually wanting to take now... Uh, your talents, and uh, run for the Ohio Senate. So explain to us um, about your candidacy for the Ohio Senate in District 13. Sure. You know, I think um, my motivation to run for the Senate has has been born um, highly from my experience on the State Board of Education because I've seen um, how much um, uh, the problems that there are in education in Ohio and the things that are being funded by our legislature uh, is through the budget, and uh, I, I just don't think that they're attending to the education as well as they need to in the legislature, along with other things. So um, I'm running uh, to get into the um, legislature to uh, get things some um, corrected related to some of the programs that are going on in the schools, critical race theory, comprehensive sex education, social-emotional learning. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's coming in that's uh, a distraction from academic um, education. And uh, I'm also running uh, because of what we experienced during 20 and 2021 under um, the governor and the um, tyranny and related to our medical freedom. Uh, the the um, healthy people were being quarantined, and uh, children were um, being kept out of in-person schooling. And it's going to be years before um, a lot of those children catch up um, academically. So, uh, and I'm running against a career politician who's the, the you know part of the establishment, and uh, it's it's just time um, that we have. Uh, a new representative to represent the people's values. 
in, in Columbus. We are talking with Kirsten Hill. She is a current state school board member. She has been serving for the last three and a half years. Uh, what district is that uh, number for uh, the state school board that you were in? Sure. It's District 2, and District 2 of the state school board encompasses three state senate districts, um, but the counties that are covered are um, Lorraine, Erie, Huron, Ottawa, Lucas, Wood, and a little part of Hancock County. So it's about seven counties um, across uh, north, north central to northwest Ohio. And, um, yeah, the district is actually... Um, geographically and, and people-wise, larger than a congressional district, believe it or not, because there's 11 elected members on the state board, and uh, there's more than that in Congress. Too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, those are big, big districts. That's why I had to ask, stop and ask. I know that uh, I, yeah. I'm in seven, uh, Summit County, so I knew that that was the 7th district of the state school board, and I was uh, remiss in not... Uh, Remembering your district, District 2. Anyways, she is a current state school board member, but she is running for Ohio Senate. She will be on your ballot August 2nd. She is a conservative running. She's uh, fought for conservative values and family values on the state school board, and she is taking that message in her candidacy for District 13. That's Ohio Senate 13, and that will be on your August 2nd ballot. Now, I want to also share with you folks, you can go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website. Kirsten actually filled out the Ohio Christian Alliance candidate survey. She filled it out completely, all fa- five pages, uh, encompassing all the various areas that are of concern to us on the issues, and she supports the heartbeat legislation that's currently in law. Her opponent does not, as he voted against that twice in the Ohio Senate. Now that's just that's public record, folks, and and when that's the record, you know, then you know what to do with that. So August second is the primary, and we encourage you to get out and vote in District Thirteen. Kirsten, you did fill out the Ohio Christian Alliance candidate survey. We want to thank you for that. Not all candidates do that. Again, uh, we submitted to every candidate that's running for office, both Republican and Democrat. We published the results in an educational voter guide. As an organization, we do not endorse, but we do provide the education material, and that's up on our website. People can see that. Uh, Go to Ohio Christian Alliance, just search that, and you'll see the primary second voter guide. So uh, there'll be a link there, too, what's on my ballot. But, uh, folks, it's very simple. The Ohio House and the Ohio Senate races will be on your August 2nd primary ballot. So, Kirsten, let's go through a couple of issues together. Uh, You know, one of the things that we hear uh, lately, of course, uh, you support ending all state funding to Planned Parenthood. Uh, you've you've indicated that is that is that correct? That's correct. Yes, yes. And I'm I'm um, proud to say I know Ohio Christian Alliance um, does the voter guide and doesn't endorse, but I was um, endorsed by two of the statewide uh, right to life organizations, the Ohio Right to Life and the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio. So I'm I'm very proud to. Um, uh, be a supporter and be a representative and a voice for life um, when I get to Columbus in the in the state house. Yeah. One, one of the questions on our voter uh, guide as well is prohibiting an abortion when a heartbeat is detected. And uh, you, you, your response to that is? Um, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I would uh, protect the, um, the person, the life that has um, been conceived in the womb. Yeah, that is a person. And yeah, that's right. And so your opponent, he voted against the heartbeat legislation twice when he's been in the Ohio Senate. You support the heartbeat legislation. And after the overturning of Roe v. Wade last month on June 24th, a day that will be remembered, forever be remembered, is a great day for pro life America. Uh, and then that day, uh, our Attorney General Dave Yost moved quickly to have the court lift the uh, injunction against the le- heartbeat legislation, and it became law. It is saving lives right now. So what do you say about that with the heartbeat legislation, your position as opposed to your opponent? Absolutely, yeah. It was originally, for those who are interested, um, Senate Bill 23 that was voted on in April of 2019, and um, it's right there in the record on the um, legislative legislature.ohio.gov um, website. You can look up SB 23 to, to, you know, to confirm. But 
Um, thank you to uh, a, a, you know Attorney General Yost for um, being right on it. And and this is going to be important because now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, um, it goes to the states and the state legislatures to um, do what's right uh, at the state level, like it should be, um, not at the federal level. So. Um, it's it's going to be a, a, a very interesting and challenging time, and I uh, I look forward to the fight for life. You know, being being in the um, in the Ohio Senate. We're talking with Kirsten Hill. She is a candidate for the 13th Congressional District. She is on your ballot on August 2nd. It is a primary of Ohio House and Ohio Senate districts are voted on on that day. Uh, that's a primary election before the November election. Kirsten, looking at uh, one of the questions we have, teaching critical race theory in public schools. Legislation yeah. was introduced, talked about divisive studies. In fact, uh, Peter Kersenauer, who is an African-American lawyer in the greater Cleveland area, who's served on the Federal uh, Civil Rights Commission for many years, uh, who is a conservative, and talks about how divisive critical race theory is. It's not about reconciliation or equality, uh, it's actually dis- uh, destructive and actually drives a wedges between people, not bring people together. This divisive um, uh, theory and actually uh, product of critical race theory is actually dividing people, not only in the classroom, but also in the boardroom. And Peter Kersenauer, you know, has just... Uh, stated this is horrible this is not what martin luther king stated uh in in i have a dream speech uh this is just the opposite where this is really driving people apart your thought about uh banning critical race theory in the public schools sure i actually i speak on this topic and i would um, be open if any of your listeners um has a group that wants me to come out and talk on the topic i've spoken to over the last year and a half um to Oh, about 40 groups um, on critical race theory, and essentially it's cultural Marxism. It's using race as the um, divider uh, between people versus classical Marxism with more economics. Um, so it's, it's still sorting people out into oppressors and oppressed. So in the case of critical race theory, the whites are considered the oppressors, and the non-whites, um, blacks, and others would be considered the oppressed, and so they're um, teaching this in the schools uh, based on the philosophy of a gentleman named Paulo Freire, who was a Brazilian Marxist who came to the United States in the um, 80s, and uh, his theory, one of his books, The Pedagogy of the Oppressed, is like the third most cited book um, in the world. Uh, related to um, trying to get this um, into education. And uh, it, in fact, um, the uh, one of his disciples, his name was Henry Giroux, and he actually worked at Miami University of Ohio, but he's uh, in Canada now, um, and I believe he's Canadian. And um, he made it happen that this um, critic, this, uh, theory of Marxism was um, put into the education colleges all across the country. So that's why we see it um, coming out um, into the K-12 classrooms, because the teachers um, have been trained, um, you know, how to uh, bake this into the curriculum in their classroom. So I, it's a lot of detail real quick like that, but um, like I say, it, it, people don't understand. It's, it's just um, embedded um, within, uh, and and here in Ohio, on the State Board of Education, this has been a very large issue. Um, the State Board, uh, at the leadership of our former president of the board, um, passed a resolution in 2020, and it actually, uh, most of it got reversed in the fall of 2021 um, as the uh, board membership changed, and there was a push to be um, a, a sentiment to be more um, conservative, and uh, this was just before the fall election. So I think there was pressure there to turn things around. But um, don't be fooled; it is still there, and and the uh, Marxists are are still pushing it um, through their training of teachers, 
through training of local school board members, through the curriculum in the book. So it, it, it's going to take, it took, you know, a long time to get here and I could, you know, talk more about it. Um, and it's going to take a long time to, to get the elements, um, you know, pull out of our K-12 education. And this is, this is part, this is also a motivation for me to get in the U.S. Senate or the Ohio Senate, I'm sorry, because um, you have to know the language. Um, one of the things that, that is helpful for people to understand is we may share the same vocabulary with the left, but we don't share, share the same dictionary. So the word critical race theory won't be found, but the words diversity, inclusion, and equity are like the latest words that would substitute for that. And what you'll see um, in some of the programs that are, that are going on uh, right in the schools and the, I, I think that there's a lack of knowledge of depth um, in the Ohio legislature. They don't really understand um, how this stuff gets put in. And, and I've, I've seen it in some of the legislation um, that has, you know, come through. I'm thinking, who's reading this stuff? Aren't they, doing, you know, um, and they're, they're, uh, they're porting it through what's passed in the budget. Um, and a lot of the departments, a lot of the state departments have diversity, equity, and inclusion um, policies that are being taken place. Even in the Ohio Department of Education, there's policies that uh, how the department conducts themselves. Um, you know, the staff at the department, they, they have their own strategic plan for equity. For example, and there's so many people that don't understand what's happening here. As you said, a lack of knowledge. And the Bible says in Hosea four six, "My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge." I want to turn a corner here now and talk about uh, educational vouchers. We see a group of uh, from Democrats who are filing a lawsuit against Ohio and its uh, school choice program. Uh, we just saw a major victory at the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, this last session, there was a there was a really uh, a cascading of great decisions that came down from the court in June. Roe v. Wade, of course, was the biggest one, but there were other ones about school choice. There, here's this group now that is filing suit against Ohio's school choice program or voucher program. Your thoughts on that? Uh, you support uh, educational vouchers that allow parents to choose a public or private school for their child. Is that correct? You you support that? That is. Yes, I, I do support that. I, um, I come from a small business background. My husband and I ran a small business, and there's nothing like competition to um, raise your game. And I think that the traditional public schools, when they've uh, sort of had a monopoly on the population that the, the families are, are, um, must have their children attend the school, um, and they only have one choice, um, this this uh, gives the parents more options to um, send the children to the schools that they uh, that are appropriate and to that match the values of the family. So um, I'm very much in favor of, of um, having the money follow the child. We're talking with Kirsten Hill. She is a candidate for the Ohio 13th District. She is a, uh, that's the Senate candidate of the Ohio Senate, a 13th congressional, I'm sorry, 13th state district, and the primary is August 2nd. Uh, she is on your ballot. In fact, if you visit the Ohio Christian Alliance webpage, just search Ohio Christian Alliance, you will see our voter guide. It's posted there right now, and you're able to see some other information that will be helpful to you before you go in and vote on August 2nd. And again, this is a uh, important primary on August 2nd. We had one on May 3rd. Uh, this is the one for Ohio House and Ohio Senate. Uh, this will be the only time you'll be voting on these candidates, and that's August 2nd. The next time, of course, will be for the general election. Kirsten, I want to talk uh, with you about some other um, items here. Sexual orientation gender identity legislation that grants LGBTQ persons a protective class status. What we're seeing in the classroom right now is a push by the liberal left uh, to sexualize our children with an LGBTQ uh, lifestyle. In fact, we're talking about in primary levels from kindergarten 
to sixth grade. Uh, you know, there's in fact uh, Ashland, Ohio, is in the news because the library there, the parents have rallied and said, "Look, there's explicit material here. We want out that our children are exposed to. Uh, quit lying to us that it's there." And I mean, really explicit, folks, pornographic material. And it's the Biden administration that's been pushing this through their educational department. So where it's been bad over the years, it's accelerated over the last uh, uh, year and a half with the Biden administration. Your thoughts on that? Sure. Yeah. Um, What's happening is this is just another element of the Marxism that's marching through our institutions here in the United States is they want to obliterate the distinction between a child and an adult. It's just one more way to destroy the family and uh, to feed their frenzy related to pedophilia and and, um, just really, um, you know, mess with our institutions. Uh, And and the family is the one buttress, the one um, defense for the child, you know, against the state. And this is the same thing. People who have been immigrants from, say, Eastern Europe, they recognize um, quickly um, when they're here how the West and how the United States has, you know, fallen, um, going down the same path of this, you know, degenerated um, thinking. And uh, there's one, there's two sexes, male and female. And uh, this fluid you know, the gender fluidity, um, having all these differing categories and not, uh, you know, biologists, um, when they're asked, they say, yes, there's the male and there's the female. So you, um, it's, it's actually, um, it's delusional. <laughs> they, they're, this is all, um, manufactured, you know, thinking, um, versus being authentic. And um, one person I follow closely, if anybody wants to dig more into this, and he talks at length on many of these topics that you're mentioning, Chris, is a guy named James Lindsay, and he has a website called NewDiscourses.com. And he has really done a great job of uh, explaining the history of some of this stuff, how it comes through Hegel and Marx and the Institute for Social Research or the Frankfurt School up through postmodernism, Marcuse, um, Gramsci, the march through the institutions, you know, up through the 60s radicals. And this is all part of the same thing. It may seem like differing things, critical race theory or um, sexual orientation, gender identity, but it um, it's all sort of to the same end to, de- to destroy our institution, to destroy our country, to de- destroy our family, families. Um, that's and the distinction between yeah. men and women. The next question is allowing biological males to compete in women's sports. Never thought we'd be down this road, but here we are. Uh, so you um, you oppose biological males uh, parading as women to compete in women's sports. In other words, uh, transgender males competing in women's sports. That's correct. You oppose that, correct? That's right. You know what, Chris, I'm even going to um, suggest you don't use the word transgender because there is no such thing as a transgender. <laughs> it's you, you can call them trans-identified or trans-identity. They, they, they are just choosing a different identity. And, um, yeah. The, the, it is uh, all about the terms, and this is what <laughs> we have, you know, at the state house with these uh, legislation. And you can hear in the, the left, like you stated earlier, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a dictionary, but you know, it's 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 uh, the the definition of terms from the political left. But uh, so you're opposed to that because it's decimating women's sports nationally, uh, and thank God there's a fight back against it. We're going to need that fight in Ohio because you know the governor's waffled on that a little bit. But as you're running for state senate and you support banning biological males from competing in women's sports, is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, um, on a personal level, I believe that I was on the front end of benefiting from Title IX back in 1978. I was a cross-country runner, and 
um, that was the first year that there was cross-country competition at the state level in Ohio. And um, I was fortunate enough to be on a team that was, um, you know, pretty uh, well-developed, and we competed at the state level. Well, that wouldn't have been a possibility um, without Title IX, you know, at that time. So now the, the, um, o- the O'Biden administration is um, trying to hijack Title IX uh, to, to further their ends. And um, it, 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 I couldn't imagine uh, running against boys. Um, back then, it, you know, like it would just, um, it, I, I, you know. Well, you'll uh, be you'll be well positioned to, ar- yeah, to argue for women's sports. That's for sure. Well, we've got run out of time. Uh, Kirsten Hill running for Ohio State Senate in the 13th district. The primary is August 2nd. Uh, give your website out, uh, Kirsten, where people can follow you. Yes, I wanted to mention that it's KirstenHill.com. K I R dot com, and I have a lot of um, the issues, um, and I explain them right there on the website, kirstenhill.com. Thank you for being my guest today. And again, you can visit us at our website for the entire voter guide for the August 2nd primary. That's at Ohio Christian Alliance, and the voter guide will be there. Thank you, Kirsten, for being my guest today. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.